Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here for a what is really a first for the podcast. This is episode 831 of Locked On Bucks, and for the first time ever, we've got a father-daughter combo on the podcast. The only, the, only, the only other time I was thinking about this, the only other time this possibly could have happened, if you've heard Frank's baby uh, crying in the background, perhaps maybe that counts as a father-daughter combo. But this, this one I'm very excited about. I'll bring in the daughter first. Everyone knows her very well. Uh, a friend of mine, you know, uh, you know her face, you know her voice from Fox Sports Wisconsin, Zora Stevenson. Welcome back. Thanks, Kane. Kane, you call and I always answer, so glad to be here. <laughs> well, uh, Zora, I will say, Zora, like everyone else uh, that I know and have a connection with through the Bucks, I have been hassling endless, endlessly over the last two months since basketball finished to try and talk some hoops. So I'm glad uh, we're able to figure this out. But uh, I will say... The second half of our guest today, everyone knows this man as well because he's he's also been on Fox Sports Wisconsin. It's Zora's dad, Charles. Charles, uh, this is this is a thrill for me. Well, thank you. A thrill for me to be able to do this. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking through the time zones and trying to figure it out. I'm still rubbing the sleep out of my eyes on a Saturday morning. You guys are probably about to have some fun on a Friday night. I don't know what's going on over there, but Zora, <laughs> I wanted to start with you. Uh, we had the CMO of the Bucks. Uh, during the week on the show, and he spoke about the protest that the Bucks organized last Sunday. Uh, he spoke about the organization side of that and how that all came about. You were there. We saw you talking to Sterling, and, and obviously you were talking to some of the other players. What was your experience being uh, there in person? Well, I just thought it was huge and beautiful and powerful. And so many times people feel like when they're on the job, their personal views are silenced, right? And it's something that you have to tiptoe around. And for an NBA organization to organize and facilitate a protest, and we're screaming Black Lives Matter down the streets of Milwaukee, I just think um, is amazing. I mean, I I asked Sterling afterwards, somebody that we know has um, experienced the injustices with some of the things that happened with police, and I said, Sterling, like, how did it feel, given what you've been through in Milwaukee, to scream Black Lives Matter walking down the street with not just your team, but the organization and the fans behind you? And he just, he felt like it was amazing for everybody just to be able to come together, especially in a city. And Kane, you know Milwaukee, like, Milwaukee is a segregated city. And so many, so often people say, when you see all different types of people, it's at Bucks games. And so for the Bucks to realize that and be a part of that, I'm just honored to work with uh, such an amazing team. And, and Charles, from your, you, you live, and I, I, know, I know this, and I should have double-checked this before we start. You live in North Carolina, right? Yeah, we're in Raleigh, North Carolina. So as you're watching what's happening, and, and I always say in the U.S., but it's, it's right across the world. We're seeing protests in Australia. We had one here in Melbourne uh, last weekend and right across the world. So as you're seeing uh, this all happen, 
Uh, what's the emotions you're having? This is obviously something in terms of the systematic racism and, and the discrimination. You've lived with this your whole life. This is nothing new. You're right. And, and so this has been an incredible, very moving um, moment for, for a lot of us. But especially me, because like you said, I've been witnessing this most of my life. And, and to see this outpouring of, um, of concern from all across, I mean, multicultural, multiracial, uh, it's just a, a new day in, in this country. And I am, I'm inspired. I'm inspired by what young people are doing now. Um, although, as I explained to Zora before, it's, it's like the issues haven't changed. Like African-Americans have been in this country for 401 years. And we've been fighting for equality and equity for 401 years. And to now get to this intersection where this country is now realizing that it's a matter of right and wrong. And most of the people in this country have decided to go down the right path. So it's an incredible moment. It's just so pregnant with possibilities for the future. Yeah, so, well, I'm glad to, to hear you speak like that, actually, because certainly when this first started, one of the things that, that I thought myself in the position I'm in is that uh, this probably, uh, for a lot of people, feels like, well, here we go again. We've seen this before. How long is this going to last? Is this going to be a week? And then people will move on and, and get on with their lives, so to speak. So uh, to hear mm-hmm. you speak positively like that, uh, is that the overriding emotion you have? And why, why do you feel that this is, uh, this is different? Because I think it's different because the whole issue of racism, systematic racism, institutional racism have been around again for over 400 years. And this country has not decided to deal with it head on. And now really for the first time in this country's history is now faced with the, uh, uh, with, with the decision of dealing with this head on. And, and, and the generation now of young people have decided to no longer allowed us to happen without dealing with, again, the root causes. I mean, and so it's more than just people raising their voices against, quote, racism, because you got to go back and look at the underlying causes, the underlying issues that make why this is called systematic racism, why it's called institutional racism. And now, again, for us to be able to, to you know, to draw back the covers and to deal with it, it's going to be difficult. But I think once you take that step, you can't go back. It's going to be very difficult to go back. So one of the the conversations I read or interviews I listened to was Dwayne Casey, coach of the Detroit Pistons. And I referenced this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but he spoke about the fact that for him, uh, he thinks back to 54 years ago, he was having the conversations with his dad. And then now he's having the conversations with his uh, kids. So Zora, I guess my question for you, uh, and Charles, you're obviously watching this. You're watching a similar experience. But Zora, what do you remember growing up and, and having those conversations as a kid? And when you went from being an innocent child to saying, okay, uh, maybe this is something I need to be aware of? Well, growing up in my house, it was always something you're aware of. Just if you yeah. know my parents and my dad's being like really modest right now, I would love for him to kind of get into his story because he's almost had a front row seat to so much of the change in this country. And he's been a part of it. Like this is something that he believes in deeply. And so I think that's why he's so positively affected when he sees young people kind of over. And so I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, but my parents were so deeply proud to be black. 
right? So it was almost like um, I went to school and it was one thing and um, you almost felt like you had to be a certain person to fit in. And then I go home and the very person that I'm not necessarily showing to fit in because all of my peers don't look like me, I go home and that authentic self is welcomed and appreciated and celebrated. And I was taught everything under the sun in terms of our culture and our background and our history. And I was taught to love that about yourself and celebrate that about yourself. And then I was also taught that I couldn't do the same thing as so many of my peers, of my white peers, to be frank, right? Um, I had to hold myself to a certain standard. I had to work two and three times as hard because my one mistake could be a major setback, whereas my peers' one mistake is just something people say, oh, it's just being a kid. For me, I didn't necessarily have that luxury. So um, it was definitely something that was talked about. But again, like I grew up in a neighborhood, so it wasn't as deep as like, I don't necessarily have any negative um, run-ins with law enforcement, right? Just because of the area that I grew up in. I was having a conversation with my dad because these past couple weeks, I've just been reflecting about everything, especially when it comes to racism. And I, I, I was asking him, like, you know, when I was growing up and where I grew up, I mean, I don't even know if we had a police officer in the school. That's the type of neighborhood, right? I mean, the only, and he, he kind of chuckles because his experiences are so different, right? I mean, I almost had that privilege of growing up that way. Um, the only time I can think of and remember seeing the cops is if you're speeding like that. I mean, that just speaks to the environment. And, and so I was, I was blessed in that way, but so many of the people that you care about and you love um, were in those situations. And, you know, I mean, dad, you've had situations where you said you were just quote being black. And that was the crime that you committed. You felt like. Well, yeah. And, and, and so Zora's, She's calling me out a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say that, by the way. I was going to say it's too late now. Uh, it's too late. She's put you in it. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when uh, when Dr. King was, was assassinated. And I, I uh, grew up in Mount Vernon, New York. And um, there, there was obviously an uprising when, when he, when he uh, got killed. And um, I was outside, uh, you know, looking at the disturbance and what have you was not necessarily participating, but was just observing. And then when the, when the, uh, the throng started running toward where I was watching, I decided to go into the building. I was living in the projects at the time. I decided to walk to my building. Well, I was walking because I didn't do anything, even though I could see the policemen chasing people and all that, but I said, I'm not running because I didn't do anything. So I get in the hallway of where I lived and there's one policeman overweight, whatever, and he tells me to stop, and I stop. And he says, you're under arrest. <laughs> I said, you're under arrest for what? You're under arrest, but I saw you throw that bottle and whatever, whatever. And then I was arrested for you know, disturbing the peace and inciting a riot and the whole thing. And that kind of like set me on my course right. to, 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 to work you know, in, in the area of civil rights uh, and, and work you know, in, in an area to, to just what can I say to help better our community and fight against the wrongs and ills of society? So where did that go from there? That's what what other stuff have you? Yeah, had I, I, you know, yeah, I was I was uh, I was arrested, taken down to the jail. I think I spent the overnight in jail. I got out, got out of my own recordings, 
because I was working at the time, so they let me go, go out. But I, had, I did have a trial, and I had to go to the trial. And eventually, it was deemed a mistrial. But the whole, the whole scenario, you know, being arrested, spending the night in jail, having to go to, over a trial, just going through that whole process was uh, debilitating for me. It really stuck, and, and it really, it was, I thought, unnecessary, but it did really show me the unjust nature of this country. Now, understand this. I had just gotten out of the Army, so I spent three years, you know, doing the Vietnam War defending this country. Okay. And so that was kind of like my, my welcome back home. And uh, so when that happened to me, I again decided to dedicate my life, uh, you know, to uh, trying to right the wrongs of society. So one of the other interesting things I took from your chat with Zora earlier on in the season, you spoke about Kareem and you had the, you had the Kareem uh, jersey on, obviously. But uh, when you talk about activists in the NBA, uh, he obviously mm-hmm. leads the way from right back then. But now you're seeing all these NBA players out there and they're using their voice and they're getting out on the streets. Uh, what's the connection between sports and, and, and activism in, in your history? And what do you remember with what obviously what Kareem and those group of, um, you know, big, I mean, they, there was no bigger names than those guys. Well, it was awesome when, when Kareem and Jim Brown and Bill Russell, all of them, you know, um, supported Muhammad Ali for refusing to, to, to be inducted into the uh, army. I mean, that was a huge event because up to then, I mean, African-American athletes had really just basically got in, were basically just being recognized as so-called superstars. And for them to stand up for that issue, for, for not a, it wasn't only about Muhammad Ali, but it was also about standing up against the war in Vietnam and, and, and standing up for the right of Muhammad Ali to make the decision not to, to go into the, the U.S. Army. And for them to stand up with him, it was incredible. It had an incredible effect on me and a lot of my peers at that time. And, and Zora, for you, I mean, you, you get to be around this team. We spoke about the protests they had last uh, last week, but a, a guy like Giannis now that really in the last couple of years, he's developed from being this young player and now he's the best player in the world, arguably, but he's also finding his voice. And I, I think he's realizing how powerful that can be for someone in his position. Well, and I think they realize the platform that they have to affect change and, and whether it's right or not that people are waiting on celebrities to make their decisions, they do have influence. Right. And so I think Giannis understands that responsibility and you can go down the roster, um, everybody really. And somebody else that comes to mind, uh, Kyle Korver has spoke up and spoke out. George Hill is always um, very poignant in his thoughts. And so I just have a ton of respect, not just as players, but more importantly as people, because they are people. And a lot of them, I mean, majority of the NBA, what is it, 80% of the NBA is black. And so they realize that before they're NBA players and before they're superstars, they are black men that are going through this. And so I just think it's, it's powerful and it's amazing and people are listening, which is great. So Charles- yeah, and plus, and plus it's, a, it's a responsibility, I believe, um, as citizens uh, of this country, that we all have responsibilities to participate. So that whole line about shut up and dribble, I mean, that was misspoken because as citizens, you have responsibility to participate in how this government uh, is run. You have a, a responsibility not only to vote, but you have a responsibility to be 
active across the board. And, and I think that's what we're getting right now. We're, we're getting um, the, uh, athletes and so other so-called celebrities using their platform for good. And that's, that's only a positive move. And again, I think it's their responsibility to do so. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think anyone that's ever said that to me, they, they bring up politics and it's like, well, it's not about politics. Let's, let's, let's figure that out. First of all, it, it is, it's just basic human rights. So the, you sort of answered the question there. And uh, the, the one thing I wanted to ask you then, how do, how do we ensure that this, the, the momentum continues? I mean, what, what do people do out there? And because there's already some concern, we're hearing from NBA players that they, they may have some concerns about going into the bubble and starting again the season because they feel like maybe that's in, in some way them uh, turning their back on the community or, or uh, walking away from, from this movement right now. Well, I, I think that's a personal choice and, and I don't want to give no advice on, on, on that. But in terms of society, where we need to go for the activists, the people who've been active in the 50 states across this nation, they got to continue. And I think the next step is they have to vote. They have to vote in the local elections, they have to vote in the county, the state, as well as obviously the national elections. You have to make your voice heard uh, across the board. And so it's not enough to walk down the street with a sign. I think you also have to be a participant in how your government is run. And I think the first responsibility is to vote. And then after you vote your person in or out, then you still have responsibility to be active, whether or not it's with your PTA, whether or not it's with your clubs or, you know, in your community, but you still have responsibility to be active. Before we move on, I am going to tell the listeners a bit about a couple of our sponsors. And I'll start with it with a note from the network. The Lockdown Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. In the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter and you can contribute your own donation. But now let me tell you about my secret weapon for learning new things and getting ahead. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't work on personal development. There's an incredible app that solves this problem and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique and it works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. I like Blinkist because whether I'm at home, whether I'm in the car, I can chuck on the condensed version to 15 minute stories and get all the information I need to know. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash MBA. Try for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash MBA to start your free seven-day trial. You also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash MBA. And don't forget about our friends over at rockauto.com. It's a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. 
Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box today? Know we sent you. That's locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box and they'll know you came from us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Laura, I wanted to, and, and I'm taking a lot of your time already, we're, we're, we're running out of time here, but I wanted to transition to basketball a little bit. Uh, the NBA obviously looks like it's going to come back, and, and I, I'm not sure whether you know whether you're going to be going down to Disney or not. I'm not going to ask you that, but do you feel like you're in game shape, uh, you know, interview-wise? You got a little bit of practice with Sterling last week, but it's been a while. I'm not going to lie, when, I, when they had the protest and I had to do interviews, that's the first time <laughs> that I've done, I mean... Doing a Zoom interview and doing a in-the-moment live interview are two different things. You know that, Kane. And yeah. so um, I was like, do I still have it? Do I still, you know, know how to do this? And uh, I feel like it's like riding a bike. So I'm happy. I'm happy to report that. And uh, yeah, I would say I'm in game shape. I'm ready to go. So uh, like, like in true Bucks fashion, we've been preparing for this for months, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure. I, I mean, I think everyone... Can I add in something? Can I add in something? <laughs> of course. So I want to make sure I get this in. Okay. Okay, you know, like, I think the last time the Bucks won the World, the world Championship, I think it was 1970, right? Yeah, 71. So, yeah, yeah well, it was 70, 71. Yeah. So exactly. it's, it's about time for us to repeat that. And I think we're going to do that. It's going to happen. We're going we're gonna to follow Kareem and Lucius Allen and Bob Dandridge, uh, Oscar Robinson, all those guys that paved the way we're going to bring a, a, a championship to Milwaukee this year. Well, I, I didn't want to do this, but Zora already put you on the spot once in this, uh, in this podcast. So I, feel, <laughs> I feel a little bit uh, better about it. In that interview with Zora, you had the, the Bucks jersey on. Uh, I, I, and this... This is perfectly okay. Let me just say that. Whatever the answer to this question is, uh, it's really fine. Are you are you a Char- are you a Hornets fan? Is that is that traditional? Oh no, 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 no. I'm a Bucks fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, but you, you grew up in New York. <laughs> I can. I, I come from New York. I, I was raised a Knicks fan, but right now the Knicks have like evaporated. Yeah. So they no longer really exist. I so like I can't it. really root for the Knicks right now. So. I got a root with my daughter is. And then plus, I mean, look, I rooted for Kareem yeah. years ago. You know, I was a Kareem fan. So it's not a leap of faith for me to right now to go back to where I started, which was rooting for Kareem because he was a neighborhood guy. And so I'm back to where I started. Okay. So I'm rooting real loud for the Bucks. But, I mean, I, I'm, in Australia, I'm in Australia right now doing a daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. So there's no judgment here. I'm the last okay, person okay. to judge about who you, who you want to watch in the, in the basketball. But let me ask you this question. Zora, you obviously watch Zora play basketball a lot uh, through her oh, yeah. career and through her college career. Uh, what's the difference in watching her on TV, in the broadcasting career, to watching her uh, on the court as, as a father? Well, she's in much more controlled. Because <laughs> when she played, uh, she was a, I mean, she was a bag of energy. And you could tell, I mean, if she missed a shot, you, I mean, it's all over her face. She wore it on her face. And she was like, look, just give me the ball the next time so I can make a shot. It was, I think, one of the pleasant moves you could see is after Zora made a shot, okay? But if she missed, oh, my God, get out of the way. 
you know. So right now she is in a place where she's more controlled and she's more refined. She got that nice smile going on, which she didn't have when she played basketball. She very seldom smiled. Even when she made a shot, she didn't, I don't, she didn't smile too much. Well, we've seen that, by the way. Uh, that's the game face. We've seen that in the zone with Z. She's very serious till she takes down the players. But Zora, now you get to turn it on, Charles. We've seen, I mean, sometimes everyone's been to junior sporting events. We've seen these, these sports parents. They can get a little crazy. What kind of sports parent was Charles? You know, he, um, he tried his best to stay out of the drama. But at the end of the day, he was a dad, right? He was, he, was a, he was a dad that believed that publicly his daughter could do no wrong. Now, if I acted out and when we got home, right, it was a different conversation. But he was just like so many parents out there, all for his daughter, which you, you can't help but appreciate. Um, and I would have to say, you know, obviously in your professional career, he's way more laid back and more of an observer and cheerleader. But uh, in the playing days, yeah, he was involved. Now, he wasn't like crazy dad <laughs> or anything, but he was involved. Uh, the coaches definitely knew who he was. You should ask about your mother. <laughs> you know, you guys were both like, I would say you were in the middle, you know? Oh, like, yeah, we were in the middle. Okay, doesn't yeah. be known, but, you know, you, you let the coaches You know, she was in the audience, right? You could tell. You could hear her. That is right? true. That okay. is true. Right, that's what I want to make. What I want to say, you could hear your mother. Okay. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this then, Charles. Uh, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. How would you describe Zora as a player? Is there any is there any kind of comparison we could have for her? And there's YouTube pilots, by the way. You can you can go and you can watch. Well, Zora hey man, look, she was she was the coming of Steph Curry. He stole her juice. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that girl could shoot. She could shoot. I mean, I, I tell you this one coach uh, quoted one time. He says, "If she goes to the bathroom, you better go with her." <laughs> then there was another one that said that she could shoot threes from the parking lot. She could just shoot. That's that. That was she was. She was a shooter. She. I mean, she. You know, we tried to get her to drive to the basket. She said, "Well, I could make threes instead of twos," and that's what she did most of her playing career. She shot threes. So I don't think I've asked yeah. you this, Laura. What? Who's? Who do you? Who would you say is your comparison? And there's there's no room for being modest here at all. That's not. That's not going to fly. I, I would go more towards Miami Heat Ray Allen. So Bucks Ray Allen was a little more versatile, right? Yeah. <laughs> I had one thing that I could do, and, and that was shoot. And uh, I knew my role, so to speak. And my dad's right. I mean, they tried everything to try to get <laughs> me to go to the basket. Um, all the drills, all the trainers, all the workouts. And I just reverted back to my comfort zone. Like, if, if I was open, why was I going to try to get close to the basket when I could, you know, hit a shot that was worth more points? Um, you know, looking back on it, obviously, you know, you would love to be able to do a lot of things. But I really honed in on my craft. And uh, in college, you know, they appreciated that. And, yeah, you know, so no regrets. No regrets. Once a shooter, always a shooter. <laughs> so I have a couple more here. We're gonna we're gonna look to wrap this up. But Zora, for you, I, I did mention. Obviously, they're looking at hopefully getting the NBA back. From your point of view, and it, and it might seem obvious. We've said a little bit about uh, your ability to talk to players, interview the players. What have you missed the most from the daily grind? Because uh, we spoke about this when I was still in Milwaukee. I mean, uh, it's it's tiring. It's a tiring uh, job. 
It's a grind for sure. And uh, I always tell people my schedule is the Bucks schedule. I mean, I'm at every practice, every game. When they travel, I travel. So it's a grind for sure. I miss just seeing the process. I mean, I have a front row seat to this team's journey, and I don't take that for granted. And these guys work hard, and they work smart, and they listen, and they're attentive, and um, they're passionate, and they're hungry. And then to see everything that they do, like, in practice and in their workouts shown, like, in the games, it's, it's really cool to see. I mean, a moment just for me that I remember, I mean, Eric Bledsoe, you know, in his workouts towards the end of practice, he always does shooting drills with Ben Sullivan, right? And he's getting shots up and it's from these specific spots around the three-point line. And then in a game to see him go off from those same spots, like just as somebody who enjoys the game of basketball, like reporting aside, that that's awesome to see. And then the second thing for me is the ability to share their stories with the Bucks community and with the NBA community. And their camaraderie was really starting to show in those interviews and, and who's close and they were joking and stuff like that. So I know people appreciate that. And um, yeah, I just, I just miss it all. It's just awesome being able to watch basketball for a living. And Charles, for you, I, I'm giving this, this might be every time I ask someone this question, it might be the easiest question to ask when it comes to the Bucks. But, but what were you enjoying the most about watching this team in particular this year? Because it feels so long ago now and it's so crazy to think that they're going to get a chance to continue this season. But I mean, it was outside of the last couple of games where things got a little bit weird. I mean, it was, it was a historic run they were on. It certainly was. I mean, I mean, I just watch, I just enjoyed watching their grind because they play a team game, even though they have a superstar in Giannis, but they still play a team game, which makes them so dangerous because you can key on Giannis, but then Middleton will kill you or George Hill. I mean, they got so many of the guys that can kick the ball out too, and they generally make the right decisions. So as a basketball, I mean, I, I love the game. And so as a student of the game, I just love the way they play. So I love seeing, seeing that. And then on top of all of that, to see my daughter, <laughs> you know, be in a position where, you know, she's interviewing and she's doing what that I know that she loves to do. I've seen her being part of this ride. It's just been remarkable for my wife and I and our whole family, actually, just to be part of this. Yeah, well, I'm surprised your wife, before we started recording, she, she did jump in. So I, I have to say um, she showed pretty good restraint by not, not jumping in on the call. <laughs> you heard that Z? I heard that. I heard that. You know, I, I'm sure she's in the background there. <laughs> I know, I know. I gave a couple of, you know, come on, Burrell. No, she don't want to come. So, <laughs> so it's so funny because she used to do this for a living. I mean, her, her background is communications. My well, wife. Well, well, listen. Look, we've started with the with the father daughter. Maybe next time uh, we can get the the, the parenting <laughs> duo in here and and take it to the next level. But hey, I really appreciate you guys taking the time, Charles. You may or may not know this, but I, I was texting Zora on that day when you were on that Fox Sports Wisconsin, and from that point we were talking about doing this podcast and getting you on here. Oh. And Zora actually, Zora is the one who's been saying you need to get my dad on. You need to get my dad on. And I said yes, we we absolutely need to do it. Thankfully, if there was a positive of the basketball season shutting down, it's been the opportunity to talk to a bunch of different people like yourself. So to both of you, I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, so that's going to do it here today on Lockdown Bucks. You guys know we'll be back tomorrow. Some more news regarding the NBA season has come through across the weekend. Frank will be back. We will run through all that. Don't forget, 
the Catch the Rejecting the Screen podcast with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov when you get the chance. Until then, thanks again to Zora and Charles. You know where you can find Zora's work uh, on Twitter at Zora Stevenson or with Fox Sports Wisconsin or the Bucks digital channels. Until then, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.